Hi, this is Jim Lyon, and you're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Jamie Wilkerson. Thanks for being our co-host today, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Jamie, I have been to your house. It's really, I just think, one of the coolest places. Thank you. And it's not just about your house, though. It's a standout, but it's about your neighborhood. What kind of neighborhood do you live in? I live in a beautiful, historic, quaint um, neighborhood downtown. And so the... It's a whole series of really classic houses, each one with their individual character, usually 100 years ago or so built. I think they're all in about that time frame, but blocks and blocks of houses with gas lights on the street. I mean, it is a very cool historic neighborhood. Neighborhoods matter, don't they? And even though you live in a historic neighborhood, it's still a modern neighborhood. You're in the 21st century. Yes, even though they're... Brick paved streets. <laughs> <laughs> That's in right. There's a little there's a little rumble when you drive bit. down it. <laughs> but you've got bump. indoor plumbing and electricity right. and it, you know, it's all the modern conveniences. And you know, a twenty first century neighborhood might be something with a tall, gleaming glass tower, or it could be an historic home built over a hundred years ago and anything in between. But we all need a neighborhood. You know, Jamie, twenty centuries ago, uh, there was a book written where Jesus is quoted. And he's quoted as speaking to particular neighborhoods, to cities of the ancient world that were neighborhoods, each with their individual character and their context, and yet he has a word specifically crafted for them. And today on Viewpoint, we're continuing our series about 21st century neighborhoods and understanding how they might become better as we think about what Jesus said to those ancient neighborhoods on the Mediterranean 20 centuries ago. It's kind of like, well a pairing of the old and the new. Jamie, you know that Jesus had 12 disciples. Yes, he did. And uh, do you know which one was the first to die? Now, Judas took his own life, so he's the first of the 12 who passed away. And then the next one to die was murdered. He's considered to be really one of the first martyrs of the church. Do you know which one it is? James. James. James, the brother of John. James and John were brothers, the sons of Zebedee. And John is the disciple that lives the longest. He dies of natural causes. James, his brother, is the first one murdered for his faith. And uh, James and the other disciples were all prematurely dead because they dared to believe that Jesus was Lord. And the authorities and the neighborhoods in which they lived, the context of their time, was so enraged at what they contended about Jesus that they killed them. I mean, think about that. But John somehow, we think by the appointment of heaven, escaped that fate and lived long. Not to say that he lived easily. And he had to live in many different neighborhoods. But he did die of natural causes late in life. And as he was winding his life down, he began to write. He wrote famously John's Gospel that bears his name, three letters that bear his name also, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then that last book of the New Testament, famously? The book of Revelation. The Revelation. He says it's the revelation of Jesus. We sometimes call it the revelation of Of St. John, John, but but actually it's Jesus revealing to John some very important uh, ideas. Part of the book speaks about the future. It speaks about the unfolding plan of God and the contest of spiritual warfare that will take us to the end of the age. 
But at the very front end of the book, he gives a contemporary word. By that, I mean Jesus says to John, I've got some messages for some particular neighborhoods. These are places where I have people who follow me, and I've got some specific words of instruction, sometimes approval, sometimes a dare, sometimes a reproof, always an invitation, and I want you to write these things down. And that's what we're doing on Viewpoint in these weeks. We're, we're walking through those neighborhoods one by one. And today, we're in what I'd call the second of those neighborhoods. Last week, we talked about Ephesus. But let's think about the second one. It's an ancient city called Smyrna. This is where there was a church. And Jesus is saying to John, I want you to communicate my message to them. Write this down. So I'm going to pick that up, uh, Jamie, in... Revelation chapter 2 at verse 8, and then you pick it up at verse 9. Okay. Jesus is speaking, and he says to John, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead, but is now alive. Jesus is introducing himself. Make sure they get this. I'm the one who's the first and the last. I am at the beginning of all things and the end of all things. And I'm the guy who was dead. Yes, I was dead, but now I live. And as Jesus introduces himself that way, what's his word for the church in Smyrna? I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Wow. So... Jesus is speaking to a particular neighborhood in a place and time in a city called Smyrna. Most of us today wouldn't have heard of Smyrna were it not for the scripture. It's not something that most of us have seen even the term or the word or heard it spoken, but it was a great city of the ancient world. And Smyrna was a place of tremendous urban gravity. In other words, thousands and thousands and thousands of people crowded in the ancient world into this city. It was a harbor town. It was a place where There was a lot of commerce and industry, people coming and going. It was in the center of the ancient Roman Empire, as it were. And uh, Smyrna, which its ruins would be on the western edge of modern Turkey on the Aegean Sea. Smyrna was a city of tremendous retailing and commerce and and transactional uh, relationships. I mean, People from all over the world were coming and going through Smyrna. And there were all kinds of goods and services that were passing through Smyrna. And that's a, that's a prescription for wealth. There's a lot of wealth there. But also, when you have all those people working the docks, let's say, you know, they're mm-hmm. unloading the, the barrels and so on, not everybody's got money, do they? No, they didn't. I mean, some people work hard but don't share in the wealth of those who own the boats. They may be unloading the boat and stacking the boat and pushing the boat. They may even be rowing the boat, but they're not getting the same piece of the pie as the guy who owns the boat and may never set sail. That's right. And Smyrna was all that. Yes. In our world today, we have many cities like this, don't we? Oh, yeah. So Jesus is speaking to an ancient neighborhood with a, a group of people that 
are in the midst of enormous wealth, but also some real poverty. People who might live in fabulous mansions overlooking the harbor, and some who might be in tenements stacked one upon the other with hardly room to maneuver. He's speaking to them. In our modern world, is he speaking to us too? Are there cities like that? Yes, there are many cities like that. (laughs) I think there are. And you know the one that comes to my mind is one I visited that is just, it's jaw-dropping in its spectacle, Hong Kong. Have you been to Hong Kong? I haven't. I've always wanted to go. Oh, let me tell you, it is worth a trip. And these days, much in the headlines, because uh, people who live in Hong Kong are experiencing a lot of tension with the way in which their city is governed. And most people understand that Hong Kong was originally a British colony, a crown colony, as they say. Actually, when Hong Kong was formed, it wasn't that the British came in and took over a big city. Actually, there was not much there but a few fishing villages. But the British, a long, long time ago, uh, secured the rights to this little particular collection of islands, a little bit of peninsula attached to the mainland China. And they got the rights to develop and govern that part of the coastline uh, from the ancient Chinese emperors who have given way to the communist government of today. And during those British years, Hong Kong developed into this center of of imperial commerce. And it's got deep harbors. It's strategically placed. People come and go. Fabulous wealth came there. Lots of money was transacted there. The Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Company, which is called the, the HSBC, still one of the world's greatest and most powerful banking institutions was formed there. And uh, it's still today, even after the British handed sovereignty of that ground back to the mainland Chinese government, it still today is this intersection of life. But just like we were talking about Smyrna, and I've been there, I've seen it, there's this opulence and beautiful high rises and skyscrapers, and it was just amazing but people are often crowded into tiny little spaces because there's no room to grow in Hong Kong. And, and while there's a lot of money there, a lot of wealth, there are people also who work hard and don't experience wealth that way. I know that you did some homework on Hong Kong. <laughs> Just uh, a little bit. <laughs> Jamie, what did, what did you discover about it? Well, one of the things that I think I always gravitate toward the cuisine in, in each yes. place. <laughs> and I love I love dim sum. And I didn't know that it meant the word dim sum means touch the heart. Mm. And it was created by um it was created for travelers as a snack food and today it's a essential part of the local culture. So And it's spread around the world. It's too. spread around the world. And then another thing that um really stood out to me was that Hong Kong is, it means fragrant harbor in Chinese. I had no idea. So, and it has the world's longest escalator. (laughs) The mid-levels escalator runs for a half mile. (laughs) I believe that. And it has steep hills that require all kinds of building and escalators Mm -hmm. and stairways and things that just like few places in the world. And what you're just scratching the surface of, Jamie, is is the wonder, the complexity, and the engine of life that Hong Kong is. This is Mm -hmm. a city that never sleeps, that is always alive, and there are always people coming and going, and the world converges there. It's just like ancient Smyrna. When we come back, as Jesus was speaking to that ancient neighborhood, is he speaking to the modern neighborhood of Hong Kong too? Oh, but wait a minute. Even if I don't live in Hong Kong, I live in a world of technology with a mobile phone, with a television, with internet, where 
people are always coming and going. Actually, all of us, in a way, live in a world of, of coming and going in motion, just like the people of ancient Smyrna did in their isolation. When we come back, let's talk about what Jesus said to them and what he might be saying to us. The first thing that Jesus said to those ancient neighborhoods in Smyrna, to the people who were looking for hope in Jesus, he said is, I know about your poverty. (laughs) This is really striking to me. I know that you are materially poor. And Jesus is acknowledging in this passage, in these words, what I think the whole Bible tells us, that the passion of God and the heart of God is closest to the poor. We don't often like to think of that when we are ourselves wealthy or imagine ourselves to be. But boy, people who struggle materially, there's something about that station of life that draws the compassion and the heart and the interest of God. And Jesus says to that neighborhood, I know about your poverty. Even though you're in this world and in this city that's a global crossroads, Mr. and Mrs. Smyrna or Mr. and Mrs. Hong Kong or Mr. and Mrs. Listener to us today, I know what it's like to be poor. Jesus knew that. He grew up poor. He has a heart for the poor. And yet in that poverty, what does he tell them? I know that you have poverty, but you are actually rich. Why? You're rich. You're rich because you've got stuff mm-hmm. that can't be taken away from you. You can give it away, you can walk away from it, but nobody can take from you the rich tapestry of life that I'm going to give you, that I am giving you. That's really dramatic, isn't it? He's helping us pivot to realize that life is not found in what we possess. And that was true 20 centuries ago, and that is true today. And all of us, I think, could develop a taste for fine stuff. Can you think of some things, Jamie, that you'd like to buy that you don't own? I would love to buy some art (laughs) from Hong Kong. I just want to go, you know, I just want to walk and maybe even hike the green trails that they're known for and, you know, and just purchase things that probably would never use, but just just to say I've been here. Well, and, and there's no shame in that kind of dream. But if you never got to Hong Kong, you're still rich. And that's the teaching of this, is Jesus is saying to all of our neighborhoods, You can dream, you can hope, you can reach, but never forget what really matters eternally and what does not. And don't sell your riches today, the real riches, so you can own something that's just passing away. He also talks about opposition and spiritual warfare. He's talking about a synagogue, a a meeting place, a, a, a community of people who say they worship God, but actually, he said... They are of Satan. Whoa. I mean, wow. this is, this is pretty, pretty uh, sizzling critique. Yes. They say they're of God. They think they are my people, but they're not honoring me. They are honoring Satan. Jesus said famously, if they're not for me, they're against me. <laughs> he said yeah. that in an earlier place. If you are not for Jesus, have to be very careful because you could find yourself actually against him in league with Satan himself. You may not think, well, I never chose to to walk with Satan. I'm not a devil person. But the truth is, if you oppose Jesus, you're in grave danger. And Jesus is helping the people in Smyrna, in that ancient neighborhood, and in the modern neighborhoods of Hong Kong and everywhere else, 
we need to be reminded that there is a spiritual contest in play in all the gleaming high-rise towers of Hong Kong, in every suburban cul-de-sac in this country, in every row house in Philadelphia, in every trailer court in Arizona, in every place where people are, there is a spiritual contest. Be certain, be careful, be vigilant, make a choice to be with Jesus and not in the league or the company or the community of people who actually are doing the devil's business because that can only be a dead end. He then says, you could even suffer for being my people. And he says, don't be afraid. When we say suffering, Jamie, when you think about suffering, can you imagine some times in your own life where you've suffered? Haven't we all? Yes, I can. I mean, I don't have to go to jail to suffer. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes there are relationships that seem like prisons, don't they? Yes. Maybe there are disappointments that seem like a a sentence in a jail for 10 days. If that disappointment would just evaporate in 10 days, I'd feel good about it. But it Mm -hmm. went on for a year or five or a lifetime. Or even worrying, you know, just being caught in a unending spiral of negative thoughts. That's right. right. Anxiety and frustration. There are all Mm -hmm. kinds of ways in which we can suffer. And Jesus is saying, but don't be afraid of suffering. If you're going to struggle, don't be afraid of it. Because if you're faithful, even to death, I'm going to give you the crown of life, which brings me to one other amazing thing about this ancient neighborhood of Smyrna. It was one of the places in the ancient world that was famous for athletic competitions. Because it was a global crossroads, people from all over the world would come there and they would compete in athletic contests. And then there would be a prize. And in the ancient world, the prize in the contest was always a crown, some kind of crown, maybe woven out of living things like laurel, maybe actually made out of metal. But there was a crown, which was the signature of the prize. You, you prevailed and won the game. And Jesus is saying, even if you suffer today, even if you have people in your neighborhood that are actually working with the devil against you, even if you are materially poor, don't forget this. You've got riches that I provide, and if you are faithful, don't slip backward, don't cave in, don't give up, I'm going to give you a crown. And the people in the ancient world understood that. In Hong Kong today, it's one of the most competitive environments on the planet. The people who are on the stock markets in Hong Kong, the the street vendors, the ones who are selling and buying, the ones who are seeking to entertain, all of it. When you get to Hong Kong, it is just like this huge rush of energy, of competition on every front. It's partly why it's so wealthy, because they compete to succeed. But better to succeed with Jesus and receive his crown, even in modern Hong Kong, even in a competitive society as we live in. Know this, stay true to Jesus, and he's going to reward you with a crown. Always know there is a better day coming. That's our hope, even as we can enjoy and prosper in the present day. Anybody who has ears, hear this. That's what Jesus says. If you've got ears, hear me. I'm talking to you. It's a word for an ancient neighborhood in Smyrna, and it's a word for every neighborhood within the sound of our voice. It's a word for all of us. Oh, but how? How can I... How can I experience it? I want to believe that, but sometimes this world is hard. Here's how you're going to start. Pray with us. 
just take a deep breath. And I, I believe in taking a deep breath before you pray because it kind of focuses your mind. When you inhale first and then exhale, you are focusing your mind. So as we pray just now, just take a deep breath. <sighs> our Father, we're so thankful that you hear our prayers. We focus on you right now, no matter what the hustle and bustle in the Hong Kong of our world outside. We pray, Lord, that you will speak in the deepest part of our being and reassure us as you did the church in Smyrna. Help us, Lord, to know that even though we may not have everything materially we need or want, that we have the riches of heaven. We have the riches of an eternal reward. We have even the riches of this life with relationships and a taste of of love with other people that also honor you. Help us to know, Lord, that there are bad people. And we have to be careful, but at the same time, you are greater than anything that the enemy of our souls might do or whatever he might enlist others to do. We are safe in your hand. And Lord, help us not to be afraid to suffer, to experience hard times knowing that if we do not waver, you have prepared for us a crown, a crown of glory, a crown of reward, a crown of life. And Lord, we want to live in such a way that that crown will be ours that can never pass away. To do all of these things, Lord, we need to be yours. We need to be redeemed by you. We're helpless by ourselves and we're not able to escape the sin that so easily entangles us or to find forgiveness for things we have done before. But right now, Lord, we surrender at your feet. We bow before you and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your life and your death and your rising again. We ask for your forgiveness Make us born again. Create us new for your purposes. Fill us with your spirit and prepare us, Lord, every day to serve you. May we receive your life and give your life. In every neighborhood we live, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Wherever you live, wherever you call home, we hope that you'll give us a call. Reach out. Let us hear from you. Whatever's on your heart, we want to hear it. Maybe you want us to pray with you. Maybe you're looking for some good counsel. Maybe you just want to share with us what you're thinking. Dial us up. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone waiting to hear your voice. But Jamie, I realize some people may not just feel comfortable calling on the phone just yet. Where could they find us online? They can find us at cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. cbhviewpoint.org, you can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We will reply, I promise. Or the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Jimmy, thanks so much for leaving your beautiful neighborhood to come down to our studio today. So good to be here. And one of these days, Hong Kong, I promise. Yes. You got to get there. Yes, I have to. And we thank all of you for listening today. Maybe you're in Hong Kong hearing this, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue to walk through these words to ancient neighborhoods that have modern day parallels in our world now. We hope that you'll join us as we explore our world from heaven's view. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, 
For all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.